Good morning, Bridge. How is everybody this morning? All right. Hey, we want to welcome you to the Bridge Fellowship. Uh, it is not an accident that you are here today, whether you come every week or whether today is your very first time visiting the Bridge. God brought you here because there's something he wants to say to you. So if this is uh, your first time, uh, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Um, we're glad you guys are here. It's our desire that the bridge is a place where everyone, no matter what you're walking through, who you are, where you come from, you can feel welcomed, encouraged, accepted, and loved, and, uh, and we are glad you guys are here. Hey, I'm going to roll through some announcements real quick before we get into the message today because we have a lot going on here at the bridge, and we don't want you to miss out. First of all, uh, two weeks from today is Thanksgiving weekend, November 26th, and we on that day will celebrate baptism and communion on that day. And so if you have been thinking about taking that next step of obedience as a follower of Christ and being baptized, uh, or your kids have, have wanted to do that, that's the day to do it. And uh, for your kids, next Sunday, November 19th, we have a kids baptism class at 9 a.m. in the library right before church. You can just bring them. Uh, we want you in that class with them. That's any a child under 12 years old. Um, we do not baptize children under 12 and uh, before they go through that, that uh, class um, because we want them to know that they know that they know and understand the decision that they're making. And so you can sign up today, uh, your kids for that class over at the uh, Get Connected table. And uh, if you are interested as an adult or a teenager in being baptized, if you'll just email us at staff at bridgecos.com, we'll get you signed up. Uh, last time we baptized at the end of the summer, we had, I think, three or four people show up that day and want to be baptized. So if you're not signed up, it doesn't mean you're like, you can't be baptized. We'll, we'll dunk you anytime you want to be dunked. So, uh, so anyway... Uh, that's going to be a great day. Don't miss that, November 26th. Men, I can with authority and confidence tell you today that this Tuesday, two days from now, a little over 48 hours from right this minute, is our next man church. It's not next week. It's not the next week. It's this Tuesday, right here at the ranch house at Banning Lewis Ranch. I, I can't stress to you men enough. Please don't miss this. Take an hour out of the middle of your week to be with other men. We're going to start a video series this week that is going to encourage you. It's going to challenge you. It's going to inspire you. Um, we've changed the time to accommodate being here at the ranch house. So we start at 7.15 this Tuesday night, men, at the ranch house. Don't miss it, man church, all right? Hey, last week we mentioned this, and I want to mention it again. Uh, please grab your cell phones, um, pull them out, your smartphones, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We um, post a lot during the week, um, information that, that you may want to know, but some of it's just to encourage you, uh, and we don't want you to miss out on that, and so you can follow us on both Facebook and our Instagram page. Uh, don't, don't miss out on that. Uh, a couple more things real quick. Uh, Hope Tree begins in just three weeks, and I mentioned last week, I won't go into details, but if you're not familiar with Hope Tree, it's one of the best things we do all year. Uh, we'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks, but I want you to mark your calendars that that's the day that you can begin picking up cards to share hope on Christmas Eve. That's Hope Tree. And then um, on uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve happens to be on Sunday this year, and so 
that's going to be an amazing opportunity for you to invite your friends to church. Easter, Christmas Eve, the two times a year that people that never go to church will go to church. And so use that moment, that opportunity to invite them. It's going to be fun. It'll be a family-oriented service. We're going to do some fun things. We'll celebrate communion on on Christmas Eve too and, and do some other special things and we don't want you to miss that and we don't want you to miss the opportunity to invite someone to come with you because listen to me I'm, I'm not kidding you that's one of those days that if you ask them 15 other times during the year they they might say no there's a good chance they might say yes on Christmas Eve there's just something about it and so invite someone bring them with you that could be the greatest gift you could give them is is introducing them to Jesus Christ and and uh, so don't miss out on that. Hey, one more thing, um, we we love our military here at the Bridge Fellowship. It's a big part of who we are. And uh, when I say this in just a second, I want you to look around the room. But as we celebrate Veterans uh, Day this weekend, it is not lost upon us the freedom that we have to do this right here. Like what we're doing today is given to us by men and women who have enlisted and given up part or the majority of their lives to serve our country in various branches of our military. And we want to recognize you and love on you today. If you have served or are serving in any branch of our military, would you stand and let us recognize you today and just love on you? Look at this. Look at that. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for what you have done, what you are doing. I'm blown away by that, that image right there. And that just tells you uh, where we live and, uh, and that we are surrounded by people every day and every week that are sacrificing on your behalf. And so if you see a veteran... Uh, don't just wait till Veterans Day or Memorial Day. Make sure you thank them and tell them that what they do means, means a lot to you. So uh, anyway, let's pray and then we'll dive into this. God, thank you again for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for arranging for us to be here. There may be somebody here today, God, who is not sure. And, and they're kind of still wondering, man, what am I doing here? I don't even know God. And Lord, would you just make yourself so real to us today and, and make it so clear that you love us, that you sent your son to die for us, and that you have a plan for every one of our lives, a plan to give us a hope and a future. God, thank you for your word today. I pray that it would be your word that speaks to our hearts. Nobody needs to hear what Steve Ferris has to say today. We, all of us, want to hear from you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, hey, we're going to be, we're going to start anyway in Psalm 46 today. If you have your smartphone or a paper Bible and you want to turn there, um, it'll also be on the screens if you need it. So we've been in this series called Lyrics, and we're taking a look at the book of Psalms, which in case you didn't know, many of the Psalms are written as songs or poems. And, and so we are looking at those lyrics and asking the question, you know, how does this apply to my life today in 2017? But we're also kind of uh, connecting it back to what music means in all of our lives. And, and, and we've said this for a few weeks now, music moves us. 
music speaks to human beings. That's obviously one of the reasons that God created it. Music inspires us. It makes us want to dance. It, it relaxes us. It cheers us up. It makes us scared sometimes. It makes us happy. It's sad. It brings back memories from a specific time and place in our lives. All of us have had that experience. Like you can, you can say, I know those certain songs that do that in my life. And so we thought it'd be fun uh, throughout this series to, to, as a way to introduce you to some of our team, some of our staff. Uh, we thought we would take a staff member each week uh, and share with, with you some of the songs on their all-time playlist and, and let them talk to you a little bit about the songs that have meant something in their lives. And so we, we've done some folks over the last few weeks and I'm so excited today. And we didn't really even plan this uh, on purpose when we started talking about this schedule of, of who would come up and share their playlist, but it just so happens today is our IT director, uh, Johanna Gonzalez. So come on up, Johanna, because it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, give her a hand. <laughs> Johanna also happens to be a veteran of the Navy. Look at that, girl, you packing your own mic. Uh, Anyway, so Johanna, thank you on behalf of all of us for what you've done and all these other veterans, and we are so excited to hear your playlist. Uh, so take it away. Thank you. Um, this playlist came to me when, uh, when I listened to Chris Patton's playlist a couple weeks ago. So it's basically based on the different seasons of my life, and so these key songs each spoke to that those sections of my life. and so. Um, we're starting off this playlist with me in middle school, high school, um, angry at my parents <laughs> because uh, they, they were protecting me. They were being strict. They wouldn't let me go out with my friends and do all the things that I thought was really normal. And so I was like, you let my brother do all these things. Why aren't you letting me do these things? But now I have a daughter, Christina, and uh, I know better. So this song is by No Doubt, um, Just a Girl. I would play this really, really loud in the house. I'm surprised I didn't get in trouble. Um, and so uh, because uh, I was tough and I wanted to be independent and just do it all by myself, I decided to join the Navy right after high school. And so then entered the space where I don't need anybody. I could do it all on my own. I'm tough. And uh, I got really angry for a while. And I realized recently um, toughness does not mean anger. So this is the song I would play nonstop. Um, a lot of my shipmates were like, can you stop with the hate music? Like, cut it out. So here we go. Like, my heart starts pumping the moment it goes on. It's, it's really good. And it's also really scary because here in the end, it's like, it's not good music. <laughs> so, um, you know, being tough and strong wasn't quite working out. Life threw me several curveballs, and I wasn't happy, like, where my life was going or what was happening. And I was like, well, 
so what? I'm just going to ignore those things. I'm going to keep moving forward. And I decided to do a lot of dancing with my girlfriends to 80s music and just being a rock star because, you know, you dance your problems away. Here we go. I mean, what better way to see, like, so what to life, you know? Uh, but it's still things weren't working out for me. Um, being strong, dancing things away, partying. I mean, I just, I felt broken and so sad. And I tell people I'm not a crier. It takes a lot for me to cry. And I start crying in the car, crying at work. I would meet strangers. I would start crying. I mean, I was emotional mess. I mean, I couldn't keep it together. Um, and God just kept surrounding me with his people, you know, Christians who were speaking truth into my life. And I remember one day I was driving to work and I didn't know what to do. And this song came on and I really wish we could play the whole thing. Cause to me, it's like a hug. And I'm like, how can somebody really capture what I'm feeling in words? And so this is being held. Hold it all together, everybody needs you strong But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control There's freedom and surrender, lay it down and let it go And that's really hard, I mean, <laughs> just... Saying I'm not okay, I need help, I need people, I can't do it by myself. No matter how angry, how tough, just, I couldn't do it. I wasn't enough. So um, this last song, I just feel like it's kind of where I'm at now, where I'm like really trying to lay that control down and just let God make me brave. Let God allow me to take care of what it is that he wants me to take care of and just leave it to him. And so, I mean, I listen to the song and it just, it gets me pumped like the other songs in the beginning, but in a different way where I don't feel like angry about things. I feel like, okay. You make me how many other churches in America today played Casting Crowns, Pink, and Disturbed, right? So thank you, Johanna. That's awesome. Give her a big hand. If my mom were alive today, she would say, Stephen, I don't think you should play those songs in church. But She's not alive, so we're playing them. Anyway, <laughs> that was insensitive, but it's my mom. So anyway, hey, let, let me, let me uh, start this today by saying, asking you this question. And, and I, kn I know it's rhetorical because I know the answer. Have you ever been chased? 
Now, just think about that for a minute. It could go all the way back to childhood on the playground, uh, or hopefully for not very many of you in here today, it could include the cops. Uh, You know, but all of us have been chased, right? And and you know that heart-pounding feeling of, I gotta get away. And I, I remember as a as a young child playing chase on the elementary playground, we would always set up base, right? And if you could get to base, you're good. And 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 like it's almost like uh, you're running for your life and you feel like frantic and afraid, but once you reach base, all of that anxiety subsides. And it's almost replaced with this arrogance of base. Now what? You know, you're like, you can't touch me now because you're on base, you know. And, and uh, there, was, there was one particular girl uh, that I went to elementary school. Her name was Angie Sherum, and uh, uh, she chased me a lot. And she was one of these girls that at seven or eight years old, she was ready to get married. And I thought, you know, that, that girls were kind of like a disease or a virus, you know, and so you, you had to stay away from, from girls, and, and uh, she chased me, and, and I remember uh, one time I just had it, and I said, I'm going to get revenge, and, and uh, our playground had two levels. There was this up, upper level on a hill, and then the lower level down here, and uh, some friends of mine and I were uh, up on the upper level, and I was like, you know what? I'm so sick of that girl chasing me. I'm going to send her a message. And so I picked up some rocks, and, and all, all I, no ill intentions here, don't make that face at me, okay? Like, all, all I wanted to do was scare the girl and send a message, you know? It's like, it's kind of like the mafia when they just send you a message, not, they don't break your legs yet, they just want to send you a message. And so, so I, I throw, I, I, I decide I'm going to throw some rocks and, and, get it close enough to them that I scare them. And the first couple weren't even close. It was horrible. I'm embarrassed to say I I didn't even get it close to them. So I picked up one more rock and I just kind of closed my eyes and threw it as hard and as high as I could. And it was a bullseye. It hit Angie Sherum right in the top of the head. We're talking blood everywhere, stitches. At seven or eight years old, it was my first visit to the principal's office. And unfortunately, not my last, but it all began with being chased, right? Have you ever been chased in a dream, you, you know, where, where you're running for your life? I, I had the craziest dream the other day, and, and just pray for me. Don't judge me when I tell you this dream, but you know, our dreams have like weird little parts, right? Well, I was at the Denver airport, uh, and, and all of the airplanes were glass, Right, so they had they they didn't you know they didn't have metal they were all glass and you could see out and you could see in and and the Denver airport wasn't the Denver airport that we know know now it was a forest and but but I was taxiing you know uh, through the forest of the airport in our glass airplane and there were terrorists shooting at the glass planes you know as and so I remember vividly in this dream everybody yelling at the pilot go go but he couldn't go faster because in my dream planes didn't taxi out under their own power they were on a track that just took them very slowly you know and it's this terrible feeling when somebody pray that's all just pray okay (laughs) it's this terrible feeling when you know someone is after you 
with bad intentions. It, it's just a terrible feeling, right? And, and I want you to know as we dig down into the Psalms today, many of the Psalms that David wrote were written while he was being chased. And I don't know if you remember this, but at a, as a, at a very young age, uh, David was anointed the new king of Israel. The only problem was they already had a king, and his name was Saul. And so if you can imagine being Saul and this runt of a little shepherd boy, David, is anointed king and word spreads, you're like, dude, this is, this is my nation, right? I'm, in case nobody knows, I'm still sitting right here. And he went after David. He tried to kill him over and over again. And so many of the Psalms, uh, like the ones we're going to talk about today, you'll see uh, they refer to words like refuge fortress or stronghold and when David when David is writing these things he's taking a page out of his own life experience and he knew what it was like to be chased he knew what it was like when he felt like Saul was gaining on him and and he would go before the Lord and say you know you are my rock you are my refuge you're my strength and, and, and we're going to look at some of that today but David wasn't the only one that knew what it was like to be chased uh, people in the ancient Middle East, Israel area, during the time of David and the Old Testament, they knew something about being chased. And, and, and if you don't believe me, look up Joshua 20, but also do your own research uh, today. Um, this is what life was like in the ancient Middle East. If someone was killed on purpose or on accident, the tribe or the family of the person who was killed would appoint someone as the, and this was what they call them, the blood redeemer or the blood avenger. And the rest of their life, the only job they had was to chase down the person who was responsible for killing their loved one, their tribe member, their family member, and they didn't sleep and they didn't, they, they didn't let it go. Like they didn't do anything else with their life until they found this person and put them to death. Now, here's what's interesting. During the time of Joshua, Joshua chapter 20, um, Joshua, who was leading the, the, the nation of Israel at the time, he put in a new law. And he said, you know what? I, we, it's not right when there's an accidental killing for the blood avenger to be able to go and kill this person when it was an accident. And so he, he put in, in place this law that said, if you kill someone in an accident, if, if you were there, and, and maybe it's your fault, but it was an accident, we have set up five cities of refuge, and that's what they call them. And, and this is one of the first places we see the words city of refuge or place of refuge. And the law said that if you were guilty of accidentally taking the life of another person, as soon as that person died, you should take off running. Like, run as fast as you can toward one of those cities of refuges. And, and if you made it before the blood avenger got to you, it sounds like a movie, I know, but it's out of the Bible, um, you, you were safe. If you made it to the city of refuge, you're good. And, and you could stay there while all the facts were gathered, and they kind of did uh, a, a very primitive and ancient version of a trial. And if you were found not guilty, and it was an accident, in fact, you could go home and resume your life. 
right? And so, so I'm, I'm telling you all that today, whether it's us on the playground, whether it's David running from Saul, whether it's uh, ancient Israelites running from blood redeemers or blood avengers, the, the fact remains is that we all know what it feels like to be chased, and we all know the amazing feeling of refuge. We, we know what that feels like, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The, the idea of refuge has not been lost on God from the very beginning of time. He has, he is, and forever will be, or at least wants to be, a refuge for the lost, hurting, tired, frustrated, and confused people. So let's read Psalm 46. We're going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version today. Be on the screen. This is what God's Word says. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help. We'll come back to that in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then you see that last word, it's pronounced selah, and that word means pause or be still. And, 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 and the writer of this psalm, David is writing this psalm, and he knows what it feels like to be chased. And so let's just pause before we say anything else, and, and I want you to let your mind go to a new place when you hear that. What's chasing you right now? Because it's not a little kid on the playground. But all of us have those things. Stress, worry, fear, uncertainty. We, we all have something that's chasing us right now. And, and this is the prescription for how to deal with things that are chasing us in this life. Okay? Now, uh, b- before we dive back into that passage, l- let's, let's establish the definition of a refuge. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a refuge is this. It is a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Sounds good, right? Sounds like it ought to sound to us. I don't know, though, that everybody in this room and everybody that might be watching or listening on the internet right now believes that God equals refuge. I I think we think he's God and he's holy and, and he's, he's, you know, it's what Easter is all about, but is God my refuge? Like, what does it even mean to run to God as my refuge when things are chasing me in my life? When things get difficult or scary or uncertain? What, what does that mean, God is my refuge? Well, I'm going to start with another statement in this, in this verse. Uh, we, we emphasized it there for you. And it says this, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble a very present help I'll be the one to raise my hand and say I don't feel like that all the time I I feel like he's God but I got to admit and 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 I realize I've got REV in front of my name so if I can say this you're free to say this too there are times when I wonder if God's even paying attention let alone is he my refuge. There are times when I'm walking through very difficult seasons of life when I, don't, when I can't see the end of the tunnel, when I can't see a, a solution in sight, and I think to myself, I am all alone in this. 
I am, I, listen, I, I worship you, God. I believe in you, but I don't feel like you're very interested in what's going on in my life right now. And he is. I had a wise man tell me one time, just because you don't see it or feel it doesn't mean God is not intimately working in your life. And, and listen, he's, he's an easy target to blame, right? When, when things don't go like we want them to in our lives and things aren't turning out like we dreamed that they would turn out, he's an easy target to go, why God? Why don't you do your job better? Why don't, you, why don't you make things turn out more like I wanted them to turn out? And then we pause and go, oh, I'm not calling shots here. And it goes back to the thing that you hear us say over and over again here at the bridge. Do I really believe that God's plan for how things are supposed to turn out in my life is better than my plan? It's the ultimate human dilemma. Do I really believe that God's plan is better? I've got a couple of things I want you to look at here on the screen. I'm not asking you to believe them yet, but it might be worth taking a picture so you can maybe go back over and meditate on this a little bit this week. Number one, God notices every situation that you and I face. He's aware, interested, and concerned, but he will not force himself upon you it's just not who he is look at this common sense says we must seek shelter when the storm comes it makes no sense to stand in the middle of the storm wondering why the shelter didn't come to us we'll, we'll get to that more in just a minute I want to go back to the end of verse 3 here in that word Selah Writers would put that, that word pause or be still in the middle of a, of a passage of scripture as a moment to reflect. And what they were trying to say is, hey, we just said a big mouthful right here, so just chill for a minute and let it sink in. That's, that's what we're being told. So anytime you read the psalm and you see the words selah or, or pause and be still, you ought to go back and reread what you just read again because it's probably pretty important. And so that's what we're going to do. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is your refuge and strength. Not just mine, not just the person that's sitting next to you or two rows behind you or the person that does everything right or never breaks rules. He is your refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, and yes, I'm, I'm altering the wording here a little bit. You do not have to fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, be still. And you probably know this already, but, but when, when this was written, the author's not talking about literal earthquakes and literal uh, floods and, 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 and churning seas. He's talking about the things that happen to us in life. When the sea of life is so wavy, we think everything's going to crash in on us. When, when the earth below us in our life trembles to think we're going to be shaken to our core and we don't know if we'll ever recover from this. 
Those are the things that he's talking about. And he's saying, when those things happen, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is your refuge. But he's, it only works if you go there. And by the way, we, we don't have time to, to, to go there together today, but you may be more familiar with a later verse in chapter 46 of the book of Psalms. It goes like this. Be still and know that I am God. Just a few verses later, verse 10. And it's, it's not a coincidence. So sometimes like we hang that verse in our house and it looks good on pictures and frames and everything, but, but when you read the beginning of verse 1, 2, and 3 of Psalm 46, it, it has even bigger meaning when God goes, he's basically going, so in light of all this in verse 1, 2, and 3, be still and remember I got this. I've got you. I've got your future. I've got your problems. I've got your greatest fears. I've got this. Just be still and remember who I am. And then I'm concerned and care for you. Let's look at a couple other Psalms. Psalm 91 uh, tackles the same theme. And so I want to read this together and, and pull a couple of applications out of it. It says this in verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. What powerful words those are. If you're anything like me and, and if you're disappointed that I'm telling you this, I'm sorry you're in the wrong church. But the, the reality is I don't always look to Jesus Christ alone as my refuge. I medicate my life with all kinds of things. Status, acceptance, relationships, all kinds of things that I look to in my life to go, this will calm the storm, this will make it better, this will make me happier. And I don't have to do that, and neither do you, because the truth is right here. He alone, God alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Look at this, for, verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Now, the, anytime that, that I'm teaching this, verse 3 is always a catch for everybody. Wait a, wait a minute. Did it just say he's going to rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly disease? Because, uh, no. Right? Like, I'm, I got lots of traps and I lost a loved one from disease, or I'm fighting a deadly disease, and, and, and that's not exactly what's being said here. And so the way you need to look at this this morning is in a bigger picture view of who God is. Imagine that you're in a trap, and I don't know what that trap is for you, but a very difficult situation. The word rescue doesn't always mean remove the difficult stuff. It means you're good in the midst of the trap, in the midst of the difficult stuff. No matter what deadly disease comes your way, you are good because his wings shelter you. Uh, back in the time when this was written, Psalm 94, uh, a lot of, uh, Psalm 91, uh, a lot of people had chickens. And, and yes, chickens were invented before America, okay? And, and, and people had chickens. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that they would watch and see is that the mama hens 
when there was a storm or disturbance or a threat coming, she would open up her wings and all of the little baby chicks could gather right around her under her wings. And her wings would provide shelter, whether it was wind or another bird that was preying on them or maybe a bigger predator. Like she would open her wings as to say, the safe place right here, come on. And her chicks would run under her wings. And, and you've probably even seen this. If you grew up on a farm, you've probably even seen different birds do this in the 21st century even. It's, it's still common today. It's a natural reaction of what the mother bird does for her young uh, chicks is she opens up her wings and allows them to run in and find shelter. Now, don't miss this, okay? Just like that mama hen is always watching, God is always watching. He knows what this world is like. And he knows what you're walking through. And he's not just, good luck to them, or they got themselves into that. That's not the God that we serve. He is always watching, and his wings are open. But, here's the but. He will not run after you and force you under his wings. The shelter is there, but the choice is yours. You, you can pull up your bootstraps like America says to do it and go, I got this, I can make it, when in reality all of us know, no, you can't. Not, not and live the kind of life that God intends for you to live, of peace, hope, joy, purpose, and strength. He wants you to have those things in your life. And when we get this, uh, this uh, self-humanistic, I can do this mentality in our minds, you know what? We might make it through some storms. But there's a better way. You don't have to fight your way through it. Look at Psalm 31. I love this. He says in verse 1, O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, my fortress where I will be safe. Now here's the interesting part of that in verse 1. You could reword, and we probably should reword that phrase, I have come to you for protection. It could say, I have run to you when the storm comes. You know, last week we talked about meditating and how the more you get to know God, the more that you will understand what a refuge he is. Like the closer you walk with him, the more natural it's going to be for you to turn to him in times of trouble. When we are, I mean, think about this, right? If, if you had a friend in high school, and, and you were pretty good friends in high school, but 20 years have gone by, and you haven't even spoken to that person, and you get in trouble, is that who you're calling? You don't call people that you're distant from. You, when, when life gets really hard, you automatically call out to the people that you're closest to. That's just what we do. It's a natural reaction. You know why? Because the more we know them, the more we trust them. And, and, and we know them more because we spent time with them and we've experienced life with them. Listen to me. Don't miss this. Don't leave here today and blame everything on God and miss what I'm saying. If you are not intentionally spending time 
alone to get to know God, why would you turn to him in times of trouble? It wouldn't make sense to you. But the more that you get to know him, the more you're going to trust him. And then when the storm comes, the more naturally that you will run to him. Have you ever been on a golf course when a rainstorm hit and they have those little huts, those little shelters that you can run under, especially for hail or light, lightning or whatever? The last time I checked, those shelters don't have legs. They can't run after you. And it doesn't make a lot of sense when there's lightning and hail and a storm for you to stand in the middle of the fairway because you're sitting ducks. You've got to run for the shelter. I grew up in Tornado Alley in Arkansas, and, and I, I can't tell you how many times, uh, and I know I've said this at the bridge before, I was, terif- I was terrified of everything when I was a kid, let's be honest, but I was really terrified of storms. I mean, if there was a clap of thunder and a little bit of lightning, I'm like throwing stuff out of our hall closet and going, we're getting in the shelter, Mom, we're getting in the shelter, you know, and she's rolling her eyes, but, but part of it's because we had a lot of tornadoes, and one of the things that... that is just etched in my mind is this every every news channel every weather channel they say it over and over again if you live in a mobile home get out like we'll give you a 30 minute warning or so like don't stay there you're a dead duck if you stay in that mobile home run for a more permanent shelter And they'll even say this, and I I watch the Weather Channel all the time. They say this all the time during storm season. If you live in a mobile home, make your plan now before the storm comes of where you're going to run for shelter. That make sense? Plan ahead. Like, like don't wait. Are we humans famous for this? Like, we... We kind of ignore God and keep him on the outskirts and go, hey, sit over there, AAA God, I'll call you if I need you. And then in the middle of the storm, when life is falling apart, we're going, God, where are you? He's like, I'm sitting right where you told me to. I haven't left. I'm right here. All you got to do is run to me. Look at this. We live in a broken and evil world where storms batter us and the enemy chases us. No one should be surprised when struggles come their way. Instead, we should plan ahead for trouble before it ever arrives. I'm going to share a list of things from our world. Maybe not everything applies to you, but some of it will. And and this... This falls in line with the fact that we live in a broken and evil world. It wasn't God's idea for sin to enter the picture. You guys realize that? Last Sunday morning, right now, as we sat here and worshiped, a man walked into a church in South Texas and killed 26 people and wounded 20 more. Our media sensationalizes these things and makes these guys almost semi-celebrities so that when other mental ill or angry people want to you know, get revenge, they have ideas now of, hey, I'll go to a school, I'll go to a church, I'll go to a mall, I'll, how about this, I'll rent a U-Haul truck in Manhattan and mow down a bunch of bicyclists. We have threats from North Korea 
Did you know that the top 10 deadliest mass shootings of all times in the United States have all taken place since 1999? How about this? You guys that are a little bit older, Columbine here in Denver is no longer even in the top 10. pushed out over the last 20 years. We live in a broken and evil world. There's division in our country, political, racial, religious division in our country. How about a little closer to home? Addiction. Debt. Unexpected financial challenges. Cars that don't run, kids that won't listen, marriages that we can't fix, loss of a loved one, loss of a job or a career, other broken relationships, anxiety and panic prescriptions from doctors are at an all-time high. So is depression medicine. How about loneliness? Lack of purpose. Fear for your future. Even if I didn't list yours this morning, you get the point. It's broken. It's not going to be broken forever because Jesus is coming back. And he's going to make it all good. But we do not teach this here and you do not have to settle for a gospel that says, well, I'll just hang on till heaven, then it'll be okay. Because Jesus himself said the kingdom of God is near. It is now. You can experience eternity right now. You can experience peace, hope, and joy right now in the midst of this broken world. All you got to do is run to shelter when the storm comes. And even better, plan ahead before the storm even comes. As we close, you might be thinking this morning, that's great. That, that's all good, and, and I buy that. But really, Ferris, practically, how do I run to God for shelter in my life? What does that even look like? Fair question, and I want to tackle it with a couple of different answers. First of all, I want to go back to those words plan ahead. Because most of us would say not every day of our lives is a storm. We might go through seasons, but very few of us would say my whole life since I've been on this earth has been cloud after cloud after cloud. There's not been one sunny day. And so I'm telling you, whether you're in the thick of the storm right now, or it's partly cloudy, or it's the sun is shining on your life right now, don't wait. Plan ahead right now and know where the shelter is. And here's how you do that. You're already doing one. Stay connected to the church. This right here, and I'm not talking about just the Bridge Fellowship. I'm talking about people gathering on Sunday to worship God and connect with Him. This is not our idea here at the Bridge Fellowship. It's, it's not even 150 years old. Jesus made this up. Like This was Jesus' idea. And, and he had this in mind. If you'll connect with me, the storms will do far less damage. So stay connected to the church. You ought to get in a life group. And I know what some of you are thinking. Man, you beat that horse all the time. You know why? Because it's biblical. Jesus modeled it. You realize that, right? Like Jesus had thousands of people that followed him around everywhere he went, but he had 12 guys 
that were his life group. And then he had three guys that were in a circle. And on the darkest night of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, guess who he wanted with him? You need other people and other people need you. Over the last 25 years of doing church, from time to time I've had people leave the church that I was a pastor at, right? And they'll just go to another place and eventually I'll run into them and say, oh man, hey, you know, man, we miss you. What happened? And they'll say this, and it just, it breaks my heart. They'll say something along the lines of, we just didn't really feel like you guys cared about us. And, and, and most of my, my career has been in mega churches, but even a church of 200 people, right? There's no way one, one guy can care for everybody. And so my, my question would always be to these people who would leave the church because they weren't cared for. I would always ask them, were you in a life group? No, man, no, we, we didn't have time for that. Make time. Make time to gather together on a regular basis with an intimate group of fellow believers that you can help carry their load, and when your load gets heavy, they can help carry your load. I'll tell you this, I don't always feel like doing life group on Wednesday night. I don't. There are some that it's just been a crazy day and I'm tired of people, but there is never a Wednesday night when my life group leaves my house that I don't say, thank you, God. Thank you for those people. Thank you for the encouragement they gave me tonight. We talk about this all the time. Develop a chair time routine in your life where 15 minutes a day you find a chair and connect with God. Why do we say all this? Why come to church? Why get in a life group? Why develop a time alone with God strategy in your individual life? Here's why. When storms come, you'll know where to go. And, and you won't be standing in the middle of the, the hail and the lightning and the wind going, God, where are you? Because you'll know right where to find him. And then secondly, to answer that question, what does it look like practically when the storm hits? Maybe it's, maybe it's out of the blue and you didn't see it coming and it's hitting your life and it's wrecking your life. In those difficult moments or seasons, here are some examples of how you can run to shelter. This is just some things from my life. When I had an office, my office now is Chick-fil-A or my dining room table, but... When I had an office, I would go into my office and close the door. I would sit down on my chair and I would just literally lift my hands toward heaven and I would just confess, I can't do this. It doesn't have to be an office, it could be your closet, it could be your bathroom. Find a safe room where you can get along with God and just lift your hands in that moment and take a deep breath and confess what you and God both already know. I can't do this, I need you. Sometimes I go for a drive. I roll down the windows and I drive up into the mountains. There are very few times when I do that that I don't come back going, it was an awesome time with you, God. It was an awesome time with you. And I'm closer to him. Call someone. L look, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense for you to walk through storms all by yourself. And I know, I know, you're, you're probably just like me. I was taught from a very young age, don't let anybody see you cry. Fake it till you make it. You pull up your bootstraps and do this on your own. That's crap. 
because that's not reality. You need other people, so call them. Is it awkward? Yeah. But you know what's more awkward? Standing in the middle of the fairway when the winds and lightning and hail are hitting you and you're all by yourself. That's even more awkward. Place scripture all over the house. I've told you this before. In my times when when the chatterbox gets all over me, we literally make little, we just type out and print out scripture after scripture after scripture, cut them out, and we place them literally all over our house. If you ever walk in to our house and there's little white pieces of paper on the microwave and on the door and on the mirror and on the lamp and everywhere, you know, on the TV, you'll know it's been a rough season for the Ferris family. (laughs) But can I tell you this? Because everywhere I turn in my house, I see truth. Not the lies that the enemy's trying to feed me. It's truth. I want to close today by giving you a challenge. First of all, when the storms come, run to shelter. Don't stand out there. How, How silly do people look when they're just standing in the middle of the storm? Run to shelter. But I want to challenge you on an extra step. Listen to me. Be someone else's shelter. Allow your life to be inconvenienced to such a point that someone else feels free to call you when the storm comes in their life. Don't be afraid to ask how people are doing. Get in the habit of checking on people. Invite someone over just to hang out. Sometimes time with you is all they need. No counseling, no mini-sermon from you. They just want to be with somebody. Be that shelter for someone else. Don't, don't be that self-centered person. Why didn't anybody check on me? Why didn't anybody invite me? Well, did you check on anybody else? Finally, find a cause and get involved. And I want to close this morning by sharing with you, if you don't already know, that November is National Adoption Month. We have several families here in our church that have been touched by adoption and have touched other lives. And listen, I'm not making the bridge about adoption, but look at me. The bridge is about adoption. (laughs) Here's why. Don't miss this. Because you were adopted and so was I. By the King of Kings. And there are millions of children in this world that need a family. And I, you know, just off the top of my head, I know Keely and Laura Upton and and Rodney and Rose Thompson are huge champions of, where are you guys today? There's there's Thompson's back there. Like, if you want to ask what that's like, go ask them. But there are people in this congregation today who've been adopted. There are people who, who have been a part of a family who adopted someone else as you were growing up and let me tell you something I think it might be one of the most Christ like things you could do and and listen I think it's a calling don't just in an irresponsible way go I think I'll go get two or three more kids today okay don't do that it's it's bigger than that listen our sending church in northwest Arkansas we had a family who a few years ago God put it on their heart 
this is one of the ways that we can be sheltered. And they went and adopted a little boy from Ethiopia. And they get messages all the time from people saying, man, what a blessing you guys must be in that boy's life. You changed that boy's life. And I'm sure these families would say the same thing. Every time they say, you, you got it all wrong. That little boy changed our life. He's the blessing. Crazy story. I'm not making this up. So they, they adopt Jaden from Ethiopia, moving back to a little town in northwest Arkansas. And a few months later, months later, they're at a function at their little private high school in a little town in Arkansas. And someone comes up and goes, you guys adopted a little boy from Ethiopia, didn't you? And they're like, yeah, you guys should meet this other family in our school. They adopted a little girl from Ethiopia. And they're like, what a coincidence. Yeah, we should meet them sometimes. So they meet them. And immediately the two children recognize each other because they came from the same orphanage in Ethiopia. And now they're best friends and go to the same school every day. You hear that story, I dare you to tell me God's not interested in what's going on in your life because he can arrange for a new family from you all the way from Ethiopia, but he can arrange for your best friend to be moved to the same little town in Arkansas and sent to the same private school so you can have your same best friend that you had in Ethiopia to grow up with. Come on now. He cares. But he is not going to force himself on you. you got to run to the shelter. Plan ahead before the storm comes. Get to know him and run to the shelter. Let's pray. God, I know that I can't speak for everybody else this morning. But there is no way I am standing here today without the shelter of your wings. There are so many times in my life that I just felt like giving up. But you sent someone to check on me put the right passage of scripture in my path at the right time. You had the right song play lyrics into my heart. Lord, I know I don't always give you credit, but you are the shelter of the Most High. And you care about us. And you, you want hope and a future for us. And yes, Lord, we live in a broken evil world but that doesn't mean that you've changed the shelter's still the same we just have to run to you that's our prayer today Lord my prayer for every person who came in this room today whether they are still kicking the tires and they're not sure they trust you God whoever it is I pray that they would have courage to run to you to run to someone else who can point them to you so that they can understand the confidence that I have today in saying, I can go through anything, not because of my own strength, but because of the shelter that I know that I have in you. It's in your name we pray.
Let's stand and sing this last song.